Stand by. We'll be streaming live. Oh, it's good to be with you again on a Tuesday morning. And thank God I'm starting to feel like myself. Had a, my whole family got colds over the weekend. But the Word of God is uh, not going to stop. And so I got some, uh, I've got a Z-Pack. Amen. <laughs> Jonathan Dunn here, streaming live from Rick Bonfin Ministries. I uh, just got to give the introduction for those of you not, if you're watching the podcast and you're not seeing the video screen there, because it has my name right there. Isn't that interesting? Praise God. I don't know if I deserve it, but I'm glad to be here. We've been studying the book of Leviticus. We've been studying the cross. We've been studying, as you know, we have this whole package, this series we've been working on. And uh, it's just uh, convicts me every time. I don't, know, I don't know how to say it, but if you read the Old Testament with, uh, and, and say, God, I don't know what is in here that has anything to do with me because I, you know, I, I don't have to kill a sheep or a bull or you know, uh, I don't have to twist the head off of a pigeon you know, <laughs> you know uh, and sprinkle blood, but... but if this is the Word of God, so there's got to be something here for me. And, and man, we've been finding out all kinds of treasures. I mean, we've been mining gold in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, and it's been amazing. And then, then, then we, we begin to apply that to the power of the, the cross of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're looking at uh, mostly in the book of Hebrews because cause this book really, really does a lot of uh, sort of Looking at the two together, what what does the Old Testament and the law and the sacrificial system have to do with Jesus? You know, and there's a lot of that in the book of Hebrews, and so we're gonna we're gonna look at some of that this morning, okay? And and so this is part five on 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 my role of of looking at the cross, and so you know this whole concept of entering into the presence of God. If you think about the tabernacle in the Old Testament, okay? Moses went up on this mountain in the desert called Sinai. This guy named Moses, right? So he goes up there and God appears and he shows him a vision of how to build a tabernacle where the people of God would worship the Lord, okay? And, it, and so it had this, this first part that was called the outer court. And anybody remember what was out there? I think I have a dollar in my wallet. Rick gives 20, I give one. <laughs> okay? Okay, the brazen altar. All right? So all these sacrifices that Pastor Rick is, is working us through with Leviticus 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, that's the brazen altar. And then right after the altar, you have this, this laver, which is this basin of water, okay, for the cleansing. All right? So, so that's the outer court. Now, that was not covered. That was not covered because of the barbecue. The smoke had to go somewhere. Okay? So, so then, after... I'm, I don't know. Is this too early to do this? <laughs> okay. The outer court. <laughs> Emily is looking at me. All right. The outer court, right? So, then you go into the holy place. Now, that's inside the tent. Now, God told Moses how to build this tent structure... With these curtains, okay, and this whole, and, and out of acacia wood, they would build these poles, and then they would carry it, and then they would set it up, and then they would 
you know, hang the curtains around. They would build this tent, and then they had a thing to cover the tent. And when you go inside, okay, that is the holy place, and there's three things inside the holy place. Anybody know one of them? Bread, the, the, the bread, okay, the, the bread of the presence, the show bread, the table there, and there was, there was 12 loaves of unleavened bread that would represent the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, and then there's, there's the candlestick on the left side, okay, the candelabra. And then there's the altar of incense right before you go into the next phase, which is the Holy of Holies. And what's inside of there? Ha! Ah. Oh, Pastor Rick. He's answering my questions here. He gets the dollar. <laughs> I owe the boss a dollar. <laughs> okay. So, now, there is a process of starting on the outer court. Okay. And then you go in a little bit further into the holy place and then once a year only okay you go into the holy of holies so the setup of the tabernacle introduces a progression of coming closer and closer to the presence of god okay you see that 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 that's the whole that's the whole setup there is is getting the people closer and closer to the presence as you go deeper into the tabernacle. Okay, and then each each phase has a certain order of coming into it, okay, in order to honor God and be reverent towards who He is. We don't come into the presence of God, you know, just kind of willy-nilly, hey, God, how you doing? You know, it, I mean, we've got to honor the Lord. I mean, he, he He's the Lord of hosts, created all things, reigns above all things. And so... We have to come with reverence. And so God said, I can't, I can't have sin in my presence, and so I'm going to provide a way for sin to be dealt with so that you can begin to know what it means to come into my presence. Okay. Now, did I do all right with all that? Everybody with me? Okay. Now, if we look in the book of Hebrews, we see part of that process is, 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 is sort of referenced in the book of Hebrews and tries to help us understand why it relates to Jesus. So, for instance, Hebrews chapter 9, beginning with verse 18. Okay? Hebrews chapter 9, starting with verse 18. By the way, do you want to know the presence of God? That, that, that's sort of an introduction and if you do, this Bible study is for you. Do you want to experience the presence of God in your life? Man, I do. Desperately every day. And if you're with me, then this Bible study is for you. So therefore, not even the first covenant, which is what we just talked about with Moses, the tabernacle, the sacrifices, that's the first covenant. Not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet wool, and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise, he sprinkled with blood the tabernacle and all the vessels, okay, the, altar of in, uh, the, uh, the brazen altar, okay, the altar of incense. Uh, everything had to be sprinkled with blood. Okay? 
in verse 22, according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. Okay? Remission of sins. So there was a process of having sin dealt with in order to enter the presence of God. So, but God does not, God is not limited to the Holy of Holies. Right? That, that, was, that was a little drop of the presence of God. To come into the presence of God fully and completely, it's, 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 not, it's not a little place in a tabernacle in this little room where there's an Ark of the Covenant, though that's where a little bit of the presence of God was. It's called the mercy seat. Okay? Because God does not actually dwell on earth. God is in heaven. And, and what we learn here is that the tabernacle and all that stuff was simply a way for God to help us understand that there is a place where God lives, where His presence is fully experienced, and that He is creating a way through Jesus and the cross for us to actually enter into that place. Now, do you want to experience that? If you do, then it's only through Jesus that you can get there and His sacrifice on the cross. Okay? So, let's take a look at that a little bit. Okay. Uh, so, Jesus, in verse verses uh, 6 through 10 of Hebrews chapter 9, it says here, When these things have been prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. We talked about that. And then into the second part. We talked about that. Went... Uh, and then he went once a year, went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself, for the people's sins. Okay. Then verse 8, the Holy Spirit indicating this. So the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us through all the tabernacle stuff and all the sacrifices that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. Now hold on. Wait. The Holy Spirit is trying to teach us that the holiest of all, the way into the holiest of all, was not yet made manifest. In other words, hadn't come yet, wasn't revealed. But God was preparing in, in a group of people in the middle of a desert the concept that there is a way to come into the presence of God. So God is introducing this idea that His presence will be experienced in full. But sin has to be dealt with first. Okay? So, while the first tabernacle was still standing, it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make Him who performed the services perfect in regard to conscience. In other words, to come into the tabernacle, the priest had to go through so many different things just to atone for his sins and the, and the sins of the people. But then he had to do it again. And then he had to do it again. And then he had to do it again and again and again and again. In other words, 
In other words, it was an unending. So is, is God going to prepare a way for that whole process to stop? And the answer, of course, is yes. Okay. So, and we find that in Jesus. So, as the, as the priest would offer sacrifices and enter into the presence of God, so we see in Hebrews 9, 23 and 24, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Okay. So the priests would go in, and the tabernacle, which is a reflection of the heavenly tabernacle where God is, the priests would go in and present sacrifices. But in order to go into heaven itself, into the full presence of God, it had to be a better sacrifice than an earthly animal, a bull, a goat, and a ram. And that's where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to the heavenly tabernacle. Not the earthly one. Are you with me? We're not trying to get into the heavenly tabernacle. We're trying to get, I mean, the earthly tabernacle. We're trying to get into the heavenly tabernacle. So verse 24, So Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of true, but into heaven itself. That's verse 24 of Hebrews 9. Now to appear in the presence of, of God for us. Did I take us there? Okay. In the heart of God, with Moses and all these people, and Aaron and the priests and, and all the sacrifices, in the heart of God is the concept that He's preparing us to come into His presence. His full presence in heaven. And it simply means this. There's a heaven. There's a heaven, and God's there. And if we want to be there with God, then we need Jesus to take us there. But see, we had to have a way for our sin to be dealt with in order to go into that heaven. Because without, without sins being removed, we can't enter the presence of God. Okay, so... God introduces the idea that you can come into my presence through sacrificing animals to atone for your sin so that when Jesus came, we would have an understanding that we could come into the full presence of God through the perfect, spotless Lamb, Jesus. Now, do you wake up every day thinking about that? I wish I did. Man, I wake up every day thinking about how fast I can get a cup of coffee. You know? And uh, if I have enough energy to start cooking my eggs, and uh, what do I have to, you know, what do I have to do when I get to the office? And you know, is this going to be a good Bible study or not? And is is Delta going to, you know, answer my phone call today? They didn't yesterday. Two hours on the hold. I had to just hang up. I'll try again today. You know, God help me. That is not where you find the presence. So there is a heaven where the presence of God is found. So, now, Isaiah, we get a glimpse of this through Isaiah in chapter 6. Okay? And it's really fascinating. If you go to Isaiah chapter 6, we get a little, and, and, and you're going to see, I'm going to read it, and he sees some things that are 
very similar to the tabernacle that, that we've been talking about. So let's look at what Isaiah sees when he has a vision of heaven in chapter 6 of the book of Isaiah. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood two seraphim. What's on top of the ark? Yeah, the angels, the cherubim with their wings. Okay, so above the throne stood two seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. Now the wings, the wings of the cherubim over the ark are like this, covering their face. Okay, it's like this. Okay, you see, you see that? They're, they're looking at each other, and the wings, Isaiah sees that in the heavens. The tabernacle is a reflection of what's truly in heaven, where God is. And Isaiah sees it. Two seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two his feet, and with two he flew. One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay? And the, the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out in the House was filled with smoke. Okay, another thing he saw in, in, in verse six, it says, uh, "Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar." Okay, so Isaiah sees that there's an altar with coals with a fire burning, a brazen altar. Okay. So, so, so God is reflecting in the tabernacle where He actually lives, the heavenlies itself. And, and so Isaiah sees a little bit of this, and he, he describes a little bit for us that that actually is in heaven. You know, there, there's an altar in heaven, and there's seraphim there that are above the throne, and they're 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 singing praises to God. It's awesome. Okay. Now. It's my belief that Adam and Eve got to experience this presence before the fall. Why not? They were without sin. They could be in the full presence of God without fear. Right? But because of sin, they had to be thrust away from the presence of God. And so, in order to return to the presence of God, sin has to be dealt with. And so that's why Hebrews 10.10 says that by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So, let me ask you a question. You have sins. Do you have sins? Well, if you say you have no sins, you make God to be a liar. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? I put two different verses together. One's out of 1 John and one's out of Romans. All right? If you say you're without sin, if we say we don't have any sins, then we make God a liar. We have sins. We have to confess, God, I'm a sinner, right? I don't do everything right. I break your law all the time. I take advantage of people. I deceive. I'm, you know, uh, I run after money. I... 
get confused. I, you know, let worldly desires and pleasures and lusts take over. And God, I just, I'm just limping along every day, right? So it's not whether or not you have sins. That's not the question. I mean, the Bible says everybody has sins. That's that's not what that's not what the problem is. It, is, is sin really your problem? No. No, because everybody has sins. And don't come to me and tell me that your sins are worse than everybody else's. I was reading uh, about David in uh, First Chronicles and, and the whole, just the whole, just the amazing process of him getting to the point to where he was, he was ready to build this temple. And uh, one of the things that David did is he took a census of all of his army. Man, that made God mad. That made God really mad. And uh, and the end result of that was that 70,000 people died. 70,000. And you say, well, I've got sins. Oh, well, okay. Have You, you, got, you got any sins where 70,000 people died because of your sin? I mean, you might have some sins where you know, directly or indirectly, you know, some people died. Maybe you killed somebody. Maybe, maybe you made a decision that ended up in somebody with somebody losing their life, and that, that weight is upon you. Well, David sinned 70,000. You, you got a sin that killed 70,000 people? I don't, I don't think I do. <laughs> I do as a sin of ignorance. But man, David has some serious sins. So it's not about comparing your sins to others. And it's really not even about you deciding if, if you're a bad sinner or not. We're probably all worse sinners than we think we are, and we probably all don't sin as much as we think we do at the same time. We're all confused about our sins. And some of the things we think are a sin aren't a sin at all. And some of the things that we don't care about, God is saying, man, you've you got to get that straight. We're all confused about what we're trying to do. Okay, so it's not about that analyzing yourself. I mean, you could just you could just pick yourself to death about what you think about your own sins. So stop doing that. If you want to want to enter into the presence of God in the heavenly place through Jesus Christ, who is the new curtain to go into the holy of holies in heaven. then faith in what He did on the cross is the most important thing. You say, well, well, God, but, but don't I have to come to You and tell You about all my sins? Don't I, have to, don't I have to come to some sort of awareness about how sinful I am? Well, there's got to be a moment of confession of I'm a sinner but if you wait until you somehow have uh, a depth of understanding of your own sins, some sort of moral consciousness, then you'll never get to the heavenly place where God dwells. And so it's not about us having some sort of awareness of how sinful we are. It's you say, God, I am a sinner. I probably have more sins than I think I do, but I know that Jesus paid for them on the cross. I know that Jesus paid for them on the cross. 
Now, what is Jesus doing in heaven? Because Jesus is in heaven. Okay? Like the priest who went through the whole, you know, started here in the outer court and he goes through and, you know, ends up in the Holy of Holies. Jesus, through the cross, he is in heaven right now. And what is he doing? What's he doing? Oh, hallelujah. He's interceding for us. He's interceding for us. He is making us perfect. He is making us perfect. That is, uh, I didn't have that one written down in my notes, so I've got to go find it real quick. That is back in, uh, in uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 24, okay? Verse 24. But this man, meaning Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood, meaning he's a priest forever. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost. To the uttermost. Meaning to the fullest extent of your sins, Jesus is able to save you. Who come unto God by Him. And that's it right there. If you come unto God through Jesus the high priest, He will save you to the uttermost, seeing He ever lived, lives to make intercession for them. That's Hebrews uh, 8, verses 24 and 25. Let me read 25 again. He is able also to save them to the uttermost. In other words, it's sins in the Old Testament were kind of covered over, but then you had to come and you had to do the sacrifice again because you're going to sin again. So it's not to the uttermost in the Old Testament. It's, it's to a limited degree. It's to the utter almost most. It's not quite all the way there. The sins aren't totally wiped out so that you could come into the presence of God in the heavens. You can only come into the earthly tabernacle. You can't go into the heavenly tabernacle with the old covenant, with the animal thing. Through Jesus, it says, uttermost, all sins. And as we've been learning, it's not even about our consciousness of our sins. It's about Jesus cleansing us completely deep down, fully scraping clean everything. Just scraping the soul and saying, I took care of it on the cross. You can come into the presence of God in the heavens now. Your sins are taken care of. So do you believe that? See, it's not do I feel like I'm forgiven. Let me say that again. It's not do I feel like God has forgiven me. Because, see, the Word of God is telling us that we are forgiven to the uttermost, all the way down to the deepest part of our soul that has been broken and sinful, completely healed. So the question is, do I believe that I'm healed? Not do I feel like I'm healed. Not do I feel like I'm forgiven. Do I believe I'm forgiven? Because Jesus died on the cross, and you start there with faith. God, I believe that I'm Free. I believe you've forgiven my sins because the Word of God says you did. 
I don't feel like I'm forgiven. I still feel bad about myself. I know I've done a bunch of wrong things. But God, I can't pay attention to my feelings right now. If I do, it's going to tear me apart. I have to believe that I'm free of these sins and that you've healed me. And when you look at me, you don't see my sins and imperfections. You see somebody who is allowed to come into the presence of God. I know I don't deserve it in my own right, but because of Jesus, I get to come into the heavenly tabernacle. I get to come into the presence of God. Whew. Do you want that in your life? Man, I do. we got to believe. We can't pay attention to our feelings and what other people say. And, and if I feel good enough to come into the presence of God, do you believe that the, what Jesus did on the cross was enough for you? It was. The Word says it was. It doesn't make it not true because I don't feel like it's true today. The truth stands no matter how I feel about myself. So we've got to stop that. We've got to stop trying to decide if I feel good enough to come into God's presence today. And if I do, I'll try it. If I don't, I won't. can't do that. God, I believe that the Word says I can come into Your presence because Jesus is interceding for me. And He died on the cross to pay for my sins. And because my sins were paid for, I can come into the presence of God every day. And I look forward to that day when Jesus will come and take me and to be there forever. Now I hope that that spoke to you this morning. I hope that you were encouraged to begin thinking about that in a different way and not wake up every day looking to see how you feel about yourself. But you wake up every day looking to see what has Jesus done for us so that we can experience the presence of God in our lives every single day until that day that He comes, returns to take us home. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Stay tuned. We've got some great Bible studies coming up. Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste, atribulado pela ação de Satanás. Clamando no